Gentlemen, start your engines. Uh, you're coming out about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. We are live, of course, on Sunday nights. My website is ChristianMoney.com. And if you want to find out where all of the uh, download options are for the show, which is incredible. We're, uh, we just hit another new record of downloads, uh, this past week. Again, uh, it's all at Jim and our biggest new source of downloads, uh, is actually Amazon. Uh, Amazon now has its own audio service for podcasting, which is part of the audible, uh, side of things there. So if you consume a lot of audible books, like I do, you will absolutely, um, you know, love being able to integrate all that. So if you have the Audible app, you can get into the podcast that way as well. Also, speaking of Amazon, if you have one of those devices, uh, you can simply just say, add the skill Jim Paris radio. You do that one time. And then after that, what you do is say, uh, play Jim Paris radio. Of course, I'm not going to say the A-L-E-X-A word <laughs> because my device is sitting right here. It'll start going crazy anyway great show lined up for you tonight so in the guest segment uh we have author scott james he's here to discuss the book trial by fire now this is the story of the massive concert fire in rhode island that took place in 2003 uh remember 100 people were killed it was just this bizarre scene of this this band that i had never heard of we're going to talk about all this tonight in the guest segment but they did like an indoor pyrotechnics thing which was supposed to be really cool but i guess not safe to do indoors and the massive fire started uh, a lot of people were trampled which was really the main way i think that people died uh, but it's a fascinating story not just because of the tragedy of that night but also that the legal saga that went on uh, for years you know the civil lawsuit uh people were criminally charged uh for uh, their carelessness and uh, charge for the death. So all of this is just uh, going to be fascinating to talk about. It's been years since I've even thought about this story, saw the book at Barnes and Noble and uh, page through it and said to my producer, we have got to book this guy. This is a show that needs to be done. And uh, Scott James will be joining us from uh, San Francisco, uh, his home. He'll be joining us from there uh, live in about 26 minutes next week. This is going to be a really exciting one. So the guest next week, I've already told you about this service. It's called roomsteals.com. And I just became a member of Room Steals. They're not a sponsor. So this is not the commercial or anything. Uh, I just became a member of roomsteals.com myself uh, because what they do is for a one-time annual fee of $95, they let you buy hotel rooms at their cost. And uh, it's incredible how much money that you can save. I, I told you I was able to stay inside the Boston Logan Airport 
and I saved $100 off what the normal rate would be. So I was able to stay inside the Hilton Hotel inside the Boston Logan Airport for less than like one of the, you know, three or four star hotels that would have been a few miles down the road that I had to get up super early and take a shuttle bus and all that. This is the kind of savings you can get. But what's going to be cool is when Nate is here uh, with us, the guy who who developed it, we're going to get into like more than that too. Like uh, he's got some strategies on weekend deals. So if you're somebody that likes to do like the three-day weekends or the four-day weekends, there's some really unique strategies where you can get those uh, hotel deals even better than what I'm describing here for weekend deals. So all of that next week in the guest segment. All right. Um, I got to talk. I got to start by getting into this Gabby Petito case. And I live probably, it would take me maybe three hours ish to get to uh, where Gabby Petito, uh, where the, where the home is, where she lived with her fiance, Brian Laundry and the, and the, and the parents uh, of, of Brian Laundry. So that's the home where you see on TV, all the people outside, uh, you know, protesting, putting up pictures of Gabby, throwing these uh, laundry baskets on the lawn saying dirty laundry, dirty laundry, which I think is hilarious. Anyway, I am thinking about it and I'm curious to get your feedback. I'm thinking about going over there maybe for just one day, to just kind of mingle among that crowd that's on the street there and do some kind of like man on the street interviews with some of these people who have been following the case so closely that they're actually camped out in the, you know, on the street in front of the, uh, the house itself. And there's some big, you know, name people there, like, you know, correspondents for like CNN and Fox news and court TV, uh, and also the Nancy Grace show. So that would be like a cool thing for me to possibly do. And I'm thinking about doing it. I'm not going to be dog the bounty, bounty hunter and go knock on the door. But in any case, the reason I want to mention this to you is that I am still of the belief that I think that there is something that these parents know that they're not telling us. And I, I, I've said this a couple of times and people email me, they say, no, duh. I mean, obviously these parents are hiding something. And, and I get that. And I don't mean to just like be repetitive and, and redundant, but I'm just saying that, okay, I'm going to say it. I think there's more going on here than just that. They probably know where their son is. Um, and I'm going to risk something here by going a little bit further based on some things I've been researching that maybe there's some things going on with that family in terms of, um, maybe we need to look at crimes of the family. I'm not, I'm not going to say that there are crimes, but I'm just saying that I I'm leaning towards the possibility that there's something more going on, um, with that family other than just this dysfunctional son who, you know, no doubt, you know, obviously he's a, he's a top suspect, you know, for my money, I think he looks good for that crime that he is the guy who, who, uh, you know, committed murder. That's my opinion. Um, it's not proven yet. He's got a right to a trial, all that. I, I been looking into these people's finances as a financial guy. I'm able to do with all my years of experience in doing that. There are some very strange things about their finances that are public record. And if you are somebody that kind of knows how to piece things together, which I am that person, I think something's going on with that family. 
and I'm not going to go any further with it, but maybe sometime this week I'm going to do a special episode of the show to talk about that whole part of it, which I have not seen much about it, but I'm just going to give you like a little tiny preview that um, I'm seeing things like um, putting putting real estate in different trusts and all that. And I know people do that kind of thing like legitimately also that that's like, but it just seems like maybe too sophisticated for these people. If we're just to believe that, I guess their, their um, occupation is supposed to be like they service blenders (laughs) uh, commercially, I guess. I I don't know. I don't know anything about that business. I, I'm a guy who uh, loves a good smoothie. So I'm sure that blenders in a, like a tropical smoothie or smoothie King that they cost a lot of money. Probably there are repair opportunities to make money repairing them. I'm not discounting any of that. I'm just saying that there's like just too much going on with their shell game of money. And I want to kind of break that down, but separately, I want to go to see that street scene there in front of their house. So that's one thing I'm considering doing maybe this week, which is going to be super busy. Probably not. So maybe it'll be next week. Uh, but look for that. Okay. Now this, um, bizarre statement is getting like a huge reaction online. Let me first start by saying I love the Catholic people and some of my best friends are Catholics. Um, spent some time today with, uh, a guy, one of my closest friends, wonderful Catholic man. So this is not a slight on Catholics or anything like that. Um, but the, this Pope just says some weird things. And so here's the, here's what uh, the headline is. Pope Francis compares George Floyd to the biblical good Samaritan praises BLM rioters for being quote, social poets. And, uh, people are pretty upset about this. I, I I'm trying to figure out even what it means. Um, but in any case, if you want to read that whole story for good or bad, it's over at national file, which is a tremendous site. If you haven't yet, uh, bookmark that one or put it in your feed reader. National files, a great one to, uh, follow every day. Uh, but that's, there you go. <laughs> Pope Francis compares George Floyd to biblical good Samaritan praises BLM rioters for being quote unquote social poets. <laughs> Whatever in the world that means, but people are upset about it. Um, and isn't it like, when are we going to stop talking about uh, that whole George Floyd case? But let me, let me shift gears. Uh, and by the way, we've gone on record here. So let me make it clear what happened to George Floyd was horrible. And uh, you know, we said it here right from the beginning. So I'm not minimizing that at all, but just sort of lionizing this man, because he died in that tragic way, I don't know that that's really appropriate in light of his significant personal criminal history. Um, you know, not not saying that what happened to him was okay because of that. I'm just saying that to now like make him into like this kind of lionized figure, like you know another MLK or something like that. I just think is bizarre. But that's what's happening. But speaking of these kind of cases, you may remember the case of Armad Aubrey. Now, this is a case that in the very beginning, I thought right off the bat, these two guys are guilty of killing this young black jogger. So I was like right on board with that. Like these guys need to go to jail. This is a horrible crime. Um, They're out driving around in their pickup truck, you know, a couple of redneck uh, white guys. um, And they they shoot this poor 
uh, jogger, this, this black jogger. And I was like, right away, like these guys need to go to jail. Um, they're guilty, you know, and that was maybe an unfair, uh, you know, uh, conclusion to jump to right away. But here's kind of the weird thing. So over time, like all these little things started to come out about this case. It happened in Brunswick, Georgia, which is like one of my favorite places in the world. I love to go to St. Simon's Island, which is which is uh, about two hours from where I live. And then as you're going into St. Simon's Island, before you go over the Causeway Bridge and you get to the island, you're actually on, you're in Brunswick, Georgia. And so this is where this happens. It happened in Georgia. But there's all these like little things that are coming out that are starting to like really muddy the water and like raise a lot of other issues. And this trial is about to begin and it's being billed as the biggest trial in Georgia state history and sort of the, you know, the typical two sides are already lining up. You know, there's uh, the rioters are getting ready because if they don't get the verdict they want, you know, they're, they're coming into town and then you've got, you know, uh, white supremacists and others coming into town. And, you know, it looks like a mess that is really shaping up. I mean, hopefully, you know, we pray to God that there's going to be justice done, but what's going to happen in this case, mark my words, it's going to get national major that I did of like going on this story. He's also charged. So I'm not sure exactly how he got roped into it. But if you remember, it was a father and son that initially got charged. And then it was this um, it was this uh, this neighbor who did the videotaping, which, by the way, I never understood this because the videotape really makes these two. Uh, redneck white guys, it makes them look really guilty. So I never understood like why the neighbor's videotape was considered somehow like a part of like the bad side of this equation. Cause it seemed like that videotape really made the case against uh, the shooter, the son, uh, and also the, uh, the older, um, you know, father who was driving the truck. It, it made the case against them. I felt that video. It's the only video that we have. Uh, but there's going to be a lot in here. Uh, was he really jogging? What was going on? Like, what was he really doing in the neighborhood? Maybe he wasn't jogging. Maybe there's some things that this guy has in his in his past that they're arguing over. Can it come in or not? You know, they say probative versus prejudicial. Can like some of his past behaviors um, be brought into the trial? That's controversial. What was he doing in that house that was under construction? Was he really jogging in the neighborhood or not? And then was it a legit self-defense for the younger of the two, you know, white men who, you know, raised up his, his, his shotgun. And then you can see them sort of like starting to struggle physically. And then there's the gun and then the gun goes off. So, you know, the argument is, well, maybe he was, they were both fighting for the gun and then the gun went off. Maybe it went off accidentally, they might claim. Or maybe they felt like, look, this is self-defense because if I didn't get the gun and shoot the guy, then he would get it and shoot me. So there's a lot of twists and turns to this case. But it's about to start, and it it is being billed, as I said, as one of the largest legal cases in Georgia state history. Just remarkable. And it absolutely turned my stomach. Somebody that actually teaches rape aggression defense classes. Um, there was a woman and you can just Google this if you want to read the whole story. And what is sickening is that nobody jumped in to help her a and B 
No one even called 911. Now, I want to address the second part of that first. There is something in psychology called the bystander effect. And this is, uh, it, it gets its, its history is, I believe this was in New York, upstate New York. There was a house that was on fire. And a bunch of the neighbors came out of their homes to see this, this home burning. And they all assumed that everybody else had already called in the, to the fire department. And so nobody called in and the house burned to the ground from that event is called the bystander effect. That is assuming somebody else is going to do something. So in this case, nobody called 911 to report it while it was happening. Maybe they thought someone else was doing it. I don't know that that's I'm giving like a pretty large benefit of the doubt uh, on that. But the fact that if you're I mean, I don't I don't care like what. Uh, age I am or station in life. If I'm in a, you know, enclosed train and I'm seeing a woman raped, uh, you got to go through me. I mean, I'm getting in the middle of that. I am not going to just uh, turn the page in my magazine or newspaper or Kindle. Uh, And it's, it's remarkable because we're hearing more stories like this uh, where people are being attacked in broad daylight, like in New York city, which used to be a great city under Giuliani, a safe city. Um, We're starting to see uh, more stories where criminals are now just defying, you know, uh, normal standards, I guess, of, of, of criminal behavior, which is that you, you find people in isolated places where there aren't a lot of people around. That's how you target your victims. You, you know, as they say, lie in wait, you know, wait in that dark alley, those kinds of things. But these criminals are now, uh, operating, you know, in broad daylight and people are just watching it happen. And I, I don't know. I just, I can't understand it. I, I get it that why would you want to like get involved and maybe risk your own life? Um, but the reason why is because that's the right thing to do. That's what a good person would do. Uh, but at a, at a minimum, at a minimum, at least, at least at a minimum, you would dial 911, right? If you're not going to get involved, you're going to at least dial 911. And people didn't even do that. And this happened uh, on a Pennsylvania train. Just unbelievable. Now, if you're like me, I, I don't know how to stop these robo calls. It happens to me sometimes as many times as four or five times a day. Um, the phone rings and I'm one of those people where I like to answer my phone because I don't, I don't like screen my calls. I probably should. But like if I, my phone's ringing nine out of 10 times, I'm just going to answer it. Even if I don't recognize the number or it's kind of a funny area code or whatever. I don't know. I just, I'm worried about like missing a call So I'm one, I'm one to just answer the phone, but I'm telling you that probably four to five times every day I get these calls mostly about like that. They want to extend my auto warranty that they're calling from the dealer service center. I, I don't know why this can't be stopped. I mean, in this day and age, we live, you know, 2021, why they can't stop these calls Uh, but it looks like there's at least in one case, the state of Indiana is trying to do something. So the Indiana attorney general, his name is Todd Rokita. He is suing, uh, an Indiana telecommunications company for its alleged role in overseeing more than 4.8 million 
uh, so-called scam calls. And uh, Startel Communication uh, worked with two companies in California uh, to flood residents in Indiana with automated calls from India, the Philippines, and Singapore. So I get the part of it where if you're one of these like offshore companies, I get it how it would be hard to enforce the law, but you have to have access to sort of like the mainframe um, network of U.S., of the U S telephone system to be able to do that. I've always known that. And this explains why, like you have these, you know, uh, companies in places that you would not be surprised to have these scam, uh, robo calls going on India, Philippines, Singapore. I mean, that makes sense. But the idea that now they found like the link to the, to the U S based company that is providing sort of the gateway into the U S uh, telephone network, um, that is significant. And I hope more is done on this because I even like, I don't know, I bought an app that was something like Robocall killer. It sounded like a great thing. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of money. It was just a few dollars, but it claimed that it would like identify and stop the robocalls. Um, it doesn't work. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think it's stopping and maybe it is. Maybe I'd be getting 10 instead of the five that I get in some cases, uh, but when is this going to stop and why is it always about the auto warranty? Like, what is it about extending the auto warranty that, that goes through these kind of, um, you know, robo call systems? I mean, why aren't they calling? I don't know, uh, buy cable TV or we're calling you to tell you that you need to get a new, uh, lawn fertilizer company or we're calling to, tell you that uh we got pet grooming available or what you know whatever it is but it seems like the the main thing that is pushed and you know it's got to be basically just the law of large numbers because nobody likes those calls i really can't imagine anybody hearing one of those robot calls and then saying you know what uh i'm gonna press one or whatever stay in the line to talk to the dealer center (laughs) about uh you know updating or, or extending my auto warranty I I can't imagine anybody actually doing that, but I guess much like with email, they can just like blast out there all of this, you know, all these calls, you know, millions of calls. And then there's maybe this tiny percentage, which is what happens with spam email. There's like that tiny, tiny, tiny percentage. Cause I get the bizarre emails just like everybody else, you know, uh, somebody contacting me from Nigeria and, uh, they want to, um, you know, tell me that, uh, you know, my, my uncle left me money or I've been selected to receive an inheritance, whatever the, the pitch is. And you think nobody replies to those things, but you know, when they send out like 10 million of them, even if you get just like, even like one tenth or even less one tenth of 1%, you know, or even less than that, you're still going to get like enough people that you're going to scam some people. And that's how these robocalls work and continue on. All right. As we close out this new segment, I want to take a few minutes now and talk about what's happening with cryptocurrency. And I've got the live quotes here in front of me. So, um, what we've got here is, let me get, let me give you some live quotes. I've got to refresh my screen. So Bitcoin, if you missed it in the last couple of days, actually went over 63 thousand dollars so right now here's your live quote if you're watching or listening on sunday night sixty two thousand three hundred and fifty dollars last trade 
on Bitcoin. And then if we switch over to our other favorite, which is Ripple XRP, uh, Ripple XRP trading at a buck ten. And then if you're into Dogecoin, uh, looking at uh, about 24 cents on Dogecoin. But the big news here is is Bitcoin. And I, I told you this um, about last week that they're they're saying that we're going into a a super cycle um, for cryptocurrency. And what that means is that it's going to take a lot less time to see the, the large jumps. And, and, and so, you know, normally, you know, we see it, you know, goes up to 50, comes back down to 40, goes up to 45, comes back to 39. Then it goes. So you see it kind of a lot of times trading uh, a lot like a stock. It's not making these like incredible, exponential moves like it did early on when it was like just a few hundred bucks. And then all of a sudden it's jumping like doubling and tripling, like in short windows, that super cycle phenomenon, even though we're at 63,000 experts say we're, we're in that cycle. And I told you that last week and now here we are, it it's working out because we're looking at uh, uh, 63,000 and my prediction is still on the table. I have predicted, I, I double down right now, over a hundred thousand dollars for a single Bitcoin by Christmas of this year. That is my uh, prediction by Christmas this year, over a hundred thousand dollars for a single Bitcoin. What I love most about this current cycle and follow this closely is what I call the decoupling. And the decoupling is that for a while, what was going on with Bitcoin was that it was tracking the stock market so that when the stock market went down, Bitcoin would also go down. I don't like that. I like it more when Bitcoin acts as um, sort of a contra investment so that because this is where you get these exponential jumps. This is when Bitcoin disconnects its its price from the value of the stock market. And basically, you could, you could have a day where the market goes down hundreds of points and yet Bitcoin still jumps 5% up. That's what you want to see. You, that's where this, uh, these incredible exponential moves take place when Bitcoin decouples from the market. But when you see Bitcoin start to move in step with the market, that's when the movements start to get limited. And like I said, it begins to look like a, you know, like a, like a typical stock that's trading. And, you know, I, we, we should uh, still be excited about, you know, uh, 10% annual returns. I mean, we're still in that world, right? So and that's what most of these stocks 10 15% a year but we're spoiled those of us in cryptocurrency who have like seen double triple quadruple you know uh, all of these jumps these giant jumps we're kind of spoiled by that and we got out of those cycles from the early days and it is weird because so many people think that there's no way it can keep moving like that at 63,000 because it's peaking out and they've stay set it at $1000 they set it at 5000 they set it at $10,000 but the truth is, I mean, it, it is what it is. And there is a very limited supply. If you've read my book, as you see over my right shoulder, the 90 minute Bitcoin quick start, there's only going to be a maximum of 21 million Bitcoin ever created. And you've got this massive increase of demand and a limited supply of this. And it's simple economics. It is going to continue uh, this move. And again, I'm saying that we're looking at uh $100,000 by Christmas. But for new listeners and people new to crypto, my book will show you all the steps to get started. But I want to make sure that I repeat one thing that I, I always say when I talk about this, you can buy like as little as five or $10 of Bitcoin, 
which um, is, is a smart way to get started and learn about cryptocurrency. Even though one crypto, even though one coin is $63,000, you don't need $63,000 because each uh, Bitcoin is subdivided uh, by eight decimal point, eight uh, digits past the decimal point. So you could literally put like a dollar in Bitcoin if you wanted to. Now, you'd only own that pro rata fractional share of a Bitcoin, but you'd still be in. And I mean, uh, uh, you might think that's crazy, but look, you know, put in a few dollars. I, I always tell people, put in money that you don't need. That's money that you could lose uh, $20, $30, $40, $50, $100. dollars and if you use this special link that I have set up, it's called BitcoinBonus.us. If you use that special link, you'll get an extra $10 of free Bitcoin when you buy $100 of Bitcoin. And uh, once you get that, that set up, you'll also be able to do the same thing. You'll be able to share your link with everybody and then and any of your friends that get their $100 into Bitcoin and get their free 10 bucks they also give you an extra 10 bucks. This is through Coinbase, uh, but you can get that link. Just go, I've, I've got a, a sort of a vanity domain that I came up with to make it easy for people to remember. Bitcoinbonus.us, bitcoinbonus.us. Okay, we're going to take a one minute break here to refire the open. When we come back, uh, this, this one you're not going to want to miss. This is a fascinating look at the the incredible fire that took place in 2003 at that, that concert in West Warwick, Rhode Island, uh, where they did the indoor pyrotechnics and a hundred people were killed. Uh, not just the event itself, but the tragedy of the people involved, uh, the lives that were lost and the not only civil cases that have come out of it, but also criminal liability uh, and uh, really a precedent setting uh, case in terms of, you know, holding people liable, not just civilly for money, but also criminally for the negligence that clearly took place uh, at this um, at this uh, concert. Uh, it, it's really a lesson like in personal safety in terms of just, you know, if, if you're if you're somebody that goes to concerts like this, which I don't, or you go to any kind of event, I mean, I see these videos online on YouTube of people getting into these small clubs, you know, these these dance clubs where there's just far too many people in an enclosed area, and the trampling risk is is what is is really the bigger issue because if people panic, they will go for the exits, and trampling is where a lot of people sustained serious injuries and even died. It's hard to imagine what that would be like to be under, under hundreds of people that are like up on top of you. And it's not an intentional thing. It's just sort of the, the, the group dynamic of all those people at the same time, trying to move out limited exits when the fire started. All right, we'll take our one minute break. When we come back, our special guest, Scott James will be here to talk about his book, trial by fire. This will be a great one. Don't miss it. We'll be back in one minute. Stand by. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 